I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but, you know, I always think about this around the first of the year when people make New Year's resolutions. You ever realize how many resolutions we break? How often we make a new start and then we go right back to the way it was before? It's amazing how many times we fail, even though you're sincere And you try hard. But, you know, change is not determined by sincerity or by working hard. It's really not. And you might ask some people and they say, well, all you have to do is just try harder. No, it's really not the key to real change. And God is looking for real change. He's looking to change us from the inside out. Most religion tries to change the outside in an effort to try and change the inside, but it doesn't work that way. It starts on the inside, and then it impacts and changes everything on the outside. We begin a new series today called Resurrected Life. We're going to talk about what does it take to have a resurrected life. Of course, last Sunday we had a tremendous service, Resurrection Sunday, great Easter service, had many born again. But beyond that, I want us to understand what that resurrected life, because He came alive so that we could live a resurrected life, so that we could be different than we were before. But so many people struggle to live a resurrected life. And so we're really starting a series on how do we do that. And as I prayed and asked the Lord, okay, where do we start? I felt like, you know, the heart is where everything starts. The heart changes everything. And so I want to talk to you this morning about a new heart. Because that's the promise of the Father is a new heart. And and the thing of it is, is that even though that promise is of a new heart, we still seem to struggle. I know Hebrews 12, it, and I mentioned this Wednesday night, but so many times there's things that trip us up. Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let's run with endurance the race God has set before. So there are those areas of our life that trip us up, areas of weakness, areas of difficulty. And we, they keep coming back. And so what we want to do is we want to say, okay, how can I be new that really lasts, that really changes on the inside? And then what happens if we will truly be changed on the inside, we will impact and change others. But if we're not really changed, it's hard to impact anybody else's life. You can't pass on what you don't really have. So... We want to look at that new heart. And in order to do that, we really have to go back. You have to go back to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, to understand 
our real predicament, because face it, we are in a real predicament. So it starts with the reality that we are created in God's image. Genesis 1, 27. It's exactly what it says. It says that, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And what's interesting about that is God is already making the declaration, he created us in his image. So we have to look at what is his image, his likeness. Well, the one thing that jumps out at me is that God is a triune being. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in the beginning, Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And what we understand, of course, if you went back to one verse earlier, Genesis 1.26, it was talking about the creation, and it says, let us create man in our image. So there's the plurality of God already. Let us create man in our image. So you see really the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working throughout the Word of God, but really no better place than creation itself because what happens is the plan for the creation was the Father. And I guess you could say, if I'm going to use an analogy, the Father was the architect. He's the one who planned everything and drew out the the blueprints. And then you have Jesus who was in the beginning the Word. He was the job site manager who spoke the Word. He literally spoke things, and it tells us that because of the creative power of God speaking the Word, it was. And the Holy Spirit was the one who actually implemented. He was the doer, the one who accomplished the work of creation. And so you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all active and involved in the creation, and really from Genesis through Revelation. You see the triune God at work. Now, only one God, but he expresses himself in three separate persons. Now, the reason we have, I've decided the reason we have a hard time with that is that because even though we are triune beings, we're all together (laughs) in the sense that we're spirit, soul, and body, but they're all contained in one place at one time. And we don't have the luxury, the ability to be different or to separate spirit, soul, and body. But our Heavenly Father, God Himself, has no problem with that. And so, because we are created in God's image, that tells us we are spirit, soul, and body. We are triune beings. Everybody understand that? First Thessalonians 5.23 tells us exactly that. It says it in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So there's, there's the spirit, the soul, and the body. We are created in God's image. He's a triune God. We are triune beings, and we are all together, contained in one unit, you might say. And so here's the problem, is that at the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, God said, 
to Adam, Adam, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Now, he didn't die physically, lived 900 years later. He didn't die emotionally. He still had all of his mind, his will, and his emotions. So what died? His spirit. And what's interesting in the Hebrew, the word spirit is the word breath. So you could say easily that man, when he sinned, he lost the breath of God. He lost the contact with God. He didn't have the union or contact, and we were created to be in union with God. So what did he lose? What did man really lose? He lost his purpose for living. So the first devastating impact of the fall of man was that we lost our purpose. And from that point forward, mankind has been trying to find his purpose and what he does. But when you try to find your purpose and what you do, you will always fall short. It never satisfies you. You can do things, tremendous things, accomplish tremendous things, buy tremendous things, have great office, have great, uh, you know, ability. It will not fill you. Why? Because we are created to be in union with God. And we lost that part. And we can't connect with God. And so as we talked about last week, From the foundations of the earth, God designed a plan so that we could be reunited, joined back again with our Heavenly Father. And then the second point, not only did we lose our purpose and our meaning, but we now have a master. Without God, we have an enemy who now becomes our master the God of this world, and the God of this world, Satan himself, who engineered the fall, who manipulated the fall, now wants to use what he created and what he managed, he wants to use that to your own destruction. Satan hates all of God's children and desires to destroy all of God's people. And so we're really in a bad spot. Not only have we lost our purpose and our meaning, and we can't find it in what we do, but we are under the hand, the pressure of a master, an enemy who seeks our ultimate destruction and uses our own lust and desires to lead us to our destruction. I don't know about you, but that's a bad situation to be in. But I have great news for you. The solution, you need a new heart. I want to be careful here. You don't need a heart that tries harder. You need a new heart. Your heart is beyond repair. You need a new one. Your old one is not able to be fixed. The only solution is that our heart, old heart, be removed and you receive a new heart. And that's what new birth, that's what born again, that's what regeneration is talking about. We need a new heart. And the great news I have for you today, God is in the new heart business. 
God has a new heart available for every man, woman, and child. And so what I want to talk to you today is that since God is in the new heart business and since you desperately need a new heart, let's answer three simple questions. First one is obvious. Why do you need a new heart? Why do you need a new heart? I want you to look at Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and 10. It says this. It says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. But notice what is said about the heart. It says, The most deceitful of all things... And desperately wicked, not just wicked, but deceitful, meaning your heart will fool you. Your heart is so deceitful that when you're thinking you're doing something for the right reason, in reality, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Without God, without God's help, without a new heart, your heart will serve self. And ultimately, in serving self, we'll end up serving Satan. Our heart is wicked and deceitful. Now, at the essence of true repentance is the realization that our heart is wicked. And this is the difference. It's the difference uh, between the new heart And not getting a new heart is being able to come to grips with the reality that my heart is wicked. My heart is deceitful. Until you can come to that understanding of your own heart, you will really never desire a new heart. What you'll try to do is you'll try to fix your old one. And some of us are fixers. Anybody in here, you're fixers? You hate to throw something away. You just hate it. You know, I had a GPS the other day, and and I was working on it, and I I was trying to get that thing to communicate with the computer, and... And it would, and it can stall some malware, and I had to get rid of that, and, and I just, I got so frustrated with that thing. I finally just took it and I got my hammer. I said, that's it. I've had it with, you've stolen enough of my time. You know, I hated to do that because I want to fix it. And see, there's this part of our nature that we want to fix our heart. We see something wrong. Okay. We need a little adjustment here. And somebody tells us, you just need to be a little better. You need to try a little harder. You need to stop this. You need to start this. You need to do this. Do a little of this, a little of that. Oh, okay, good. I'll be fine. But that doesn't do it. Soon we find ourselves right back in the same condition. We need a new heart. We need a new life. We need to come to the point to where we say, I cannot do this. On my own. And you have to see your heart for what it really is. So when we're talking about new heart, I just want to say to you that the beginning 
of getting a new heart is the realization that the old one is wicked and deceitful, cannot be fixed, cannot be renewed. It's got to be replaced. And you know what works against us? Religion. Religion will try to convince you that if you will do this and this and this looking spiritual thing, then that will make you okay. And so we patch everything up with religion, and it doesn't work. Religion is man's effort to try and get to God. Jesus is the answer to get to God. It is only Jesus. Religion can never do it. And so I want to encourage you is that you finally have to give up on your old heart. Say, Lord, I I can't do this. I need a new heart. It's the only way. And God says, finally, finally, you've come to that decision. And then, then you come to the realization, okay, how do I, how can I have this new heart? And I want you to remember this passage that's in, Ezekiel 36, so important. We're going to read verse 25 through 27. It says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. Boy, what an amazing promise. And here's the way it's going to happen. And this is back in the Old Testament. This was a promise given to the people of Israel that was never fulfilled because it was only going to be fulfilled in Jesus. But look what he says in 26. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. An absolute amazing promise that God makes to his people. Now, Israel never saw the fulfillment. We have the fulfillment. But notice there are four separate parts to this promise. Did you see it? First one, he's going to give you a new heart. Okay, so God is going to give you a new heart. The second part, and that is he's going to put a new spirit in you. What's interesting, it's usually it should have been with a little s because the reference here is not the Holy Spirit. It's talking about, remember that part of you that died because of the Garden of Eden? That spirit, man, that breath of God. God is going to make that spirit new. He's going to give that new spirit within you that was dead and lost this connection with God. God said, I'm going to breathe into you and give you a new spirit. With Jesus, remember we talked about it last week, John chapter 20. He says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That spirit within them came alive. And now all of a sudden we have connection with God. Look at the third promise. I'm going to take out the old one. There has to be removal. 
If he's going to put in a new one, he's going to take out the old one. And that is a death to our old ways. That is dying to self. It is acknowledging I can't do it daily. But God says I'm going to take out that old heart. And then the last part, even more exciting... He said he's going to give you a new spirit. But now look at the fourth part. He said he will put his spirit. Now we're talking about capital S, Holy Spirit. God not only is going to renew your spirit, he's going to put his spirit within you. We talked about that last week, John chapter 14, where he said the spirit is with you, but he shall be in you. And so at new birth, when you receive this new heart, You receive all four parts of the promise of Ezekiel 36. He takes out the old heart. He gives you a new spirit. He takes out the old heart. And he pours into you the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Now you have something the Old Testament people long for. They hungered for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. They only had the Holy Spirit at selected times. The Spirit would come upon prophets and priests and kings at selected times, but they never had what we have, and that is the Holy Spirit would dwell in us daily, every night, every day, every moment, every day of our life. We have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and direct us and protect us and convict us. He stays with us. Not just occasional, but He stays with us. So, the new heart is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. The promise of a new life. And then, how does that happen? You know, there are several verses we could look at, but none better than Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. You might have used this as you talk to some of your neighbors. It says in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and... Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Notice the two elements there. There's the believing and the speaking. The speaking, the confessing, the declaring out loud openly and publicly. What you believe in your heart gives you a new heart. And you know, I've, I've said that to people before, and I've, I remember one person, they wrinkled up their eyebrows and, and they said, are you kidding me? That's it? Believing and confessing? And you're telling me God's going to forgive me all of my sin? He's going to give me a new heart? He's going to change my life? Surely there's something else I need to do. Tell me to do this four times and do this six times. And if I go to church seven times and if I do this, you know, and they they wanted uh, this litany of requirements that they had to follow. And then they finally done enough and God will be pleased enough and he'll give them the new heart. No, it's amazing. You see, he made it available 
so that every man, woman, and child, no matter how smart, no matter how simple, every person can receive Jesus and have a new heart. It's not just for the smart. It's not just for the rich. It's for every person because we can all believe. We can all in some way confess and speak Jesus is Lord. It's amazing. It's actually amazing how open and ready God is to give us. Now, here's the problem, and this is a real problem. That God is looking for us to have true repentance for that new heart. And what we replace it with is worldly sorrow. What is worldly sorrow? That's I'm sorry I got caught. You know, when when you see the blue headlights behind you, flashing and he pulls you over and he says sir you were speeding and you say oh sir officer i am so sorry i am so sorry what you want to say is i am so sorry you caught me (laughs) that's the truth I'm so sorry. And while he's pulling you over, you're saying, oh, Jesus, 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 give me some mercy, Lord. Give give me some mercy. Oh, please, Jesus, I can't let my insurance go up. I can't afford any more, Lord. You know, total selfish prayer there. (laughs) But in reality, a lot of times our sorrow is just regret that we've been caught. That's all it is. And I just want to say to you, the new heart is available for those who have godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is seeing your wicked heart, seeing your sinful heart, seeing that we have sinned against a holy God, that our actions and our life is, a, is deceitful and sinful and wicked against a holy God. And we have godly sorrow. And it really doesn't matter who believes what or who thinks what. We truly are sorry that we have sinned against the holy God. That's godly sorrow. That kind of godly sorrow is far beyond worrying about consequences. You see, sometimes people get saved. Sometimes they come down and say a sinner's prayer. Simply because that week they got caught or they had begun to experience the consequences of their actions. Now, I will say this. Sometimes God will use consequences to wake us up. Sometimes God will use the two before. Slap us upside the head. Make us realize that we're heading in the wrong direction. But. We need far more than regret over consequences. We have to see our sin as a sin against the holy God. That is godly sorrow. That brings us to the point of humility and openness and a broken spirit before God. Say, oh God, I have sinned against you. I have 
done my own thing. I've gone my own way. My heart has, de- has deceived myself. And even the things I did that looked good, Lord, I did them for my own purpose. And when we have godly sorrow, we can cry out to God. And God will give you that new heart. And I, I want to say this. This is the third question I want us to look at. And that is what really happens when you receive a new heart. I'd like you to look at the book of Titus chapter uh, 2. It's amazing kind of a scenario in the book of Titus uh, chapter 3 verse 3. It says, once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy and in, uh, evil and envy. But we hated each other. But when our God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. Watch this. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been talking about. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. What an amazing picture of the new heart, new life. Now, I want to say this. Remember, we talked about a minute ago how we are three parts, spirit, soul, and body. This is important. The new birth, the new heart deals with the spirit man. It, we're three parts, but it deals with the spirit man. That's why when you are born again and God gives you a new heart, the Bible talks about you being made righteous in His sight. And it, it says that you've been made perfect and complete in Him. Now, when the Bible says you've been made complete, you've been made righteous, does that mean everything you say is righteous and everything you think is righteous? No. That's because that's in your soul area. What is your soulish realm? That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So when you get born again and when you get a new heart, it doesn't deal with the soulish realm. It deals with the spirit man. You with me? So, I get born again. I receive a new heart. I have godly sorrow. I see the, the offer of salvation that comes through Jesus and the blood of Jesus and His shed blood for me as the only way I can have forgiveness of sin. I come to Him. I receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. And then that new heart comes in and that spirit man part of me has been made totally new and perfect in God's eyes. Amazing. But two other parts of us need some work. The soul and the body. Now, here's the plan. The plan was the Holy Spirit and your spirit that has been made alive now would be controlled and helped and encouraged and strengthened by the Holy Spirit living in us so that our soulish realm can now learn to be who we are created to be. Look, if you would, 
uh, simple passage in Romans 12, verse 2. Just, just verse 2. This is the New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by what? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The New King James, James Version of that same uh, verse says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, even though your spirit man has been made perfect, the soulish realm, the mind, the will, and the emotions, needs lots of work. Our language needs to be cleaned up. Our language needs to be cleaned up. <laughs> the way we think needs to be cleaned up. We need to think differently about others. We need to think differently about God. We need to think differently about ourselves. We need a complete renewal of our mind and our heart. We have a new heart, but the soulish part needs lots of work. And, you know, I would like to say you get born again and you were made perfect and you're not going to have any more problems. And you're not ever going to make any mistakes and you're going to be made perfect. But you and I know that's not true. But the good news is, you receive that new heart. That spirit man is born again. And now we are in a constant battle. And I'll call it a battle. We are in a constant battle every day to be renewed in our mind. And then we begin to do a lot of things that we need to do according to His Word. That helps us be renewed in our mind. Just being in church, you're, you're doing one of them right here. Just being in the house of God with God's people helps you to have your mind renewed. Next week we're doing water baptism. That's a great thing to do. Following obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ to be water baptized. Great thing. But there are many things that we need to do in order to have a resurrected life. And that's really what this series is going to be. Is What do we need to do to have that resurrected life? Because from the day you get born again to the day you meet Jesus, you're going to be in a constant fight. Because the enemy does not want you to make progress. The enemy does not want you to be renewed in your mind. You get born again, Satan is going to work three areas. He is going to attack you and try to get you out of this church. He's going to try and get you out of fellowship with other believers. He's going to try and get you out of God's Word so you don't read God's Word. And he's going to try and make sure you don't pray. Because all of those things are going to help you grow in Christ and learn what really happened and help you to be renewed. So he knows those things. So he's going to work hard and see if he can get you out of and away from those things. So I want to encourage you. Don't listen to the enemy today. I have a question for you. 
and I believe the, the answer is that a great deal of the people in this room, you have a new heart. How many of you would say to me, I have a new heart? A lot of hands. And if you have a new heart, then your life is changing. And you are being renewed every day. And your mind is being renewed. And even when you mess up bad, God forgives you, restores you. Thank God he doesn't give up on us. Amen to that. And he wants to take the mistakes you've made and work them into his plan for his good pleasure. But it still comes back to a simple question. Do you have a new heart? And the question is not, do you go to church? You know, a lot of people, do you go to church? That's not the question. I can guarantee you. When you die, the question is not going to be, did you go to church? It's not going to be, did you tithe or not? It's not going to be, did you pray or not? It's not going to be, were you a good person? None of those questions are really the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is, do you have a new heart? Have you come to that place in your life? Maybe through circumstances. Maybe through something happened in your life. But somehow, some way, God showed you. Your old heart is wicked. And you're not going to make progress just trying harder. You need a new heart. You know, the sad thing of it is, is that you could attend church here every Sunday for 40 years and never be born again. It's true. Matter of fact, you could attend any church. It wouldn't get you to heaven. It wouldn't impress God. only one thing do you have a new heart and the only way you can have a new heart realizing that your old heart is wicked and that the only way I can have a new heart is through Jesus his shed blood paid the price so that I could have a new heart and you humbly come to God and say I'm ready God I need that new heart I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that all over this room there are people who raise their hands when I ask the question if they had a new heart. And I know, Lord, there are many in this room that have a new heart. And you're changing them day by day. And I'm grateful for that, Lord. You gave me a new, new heart over 50 years ago, Lord. You've been changing me every day. But Lord, there are some people in this room that have never received a new heart or they're not sure. They're questioning that question right now.
do I really have a new heart? You might have been religious. Maybe you grew up in a religious home. Maybe your mom and daddy took you to church. But none of that matters. The only thing that matters, have you come to God acknowledging that you're a sinner? Truly had godly sorrow humbly ask by the blood of Jesus to have that new heart believing in your heart and then being willing to confess with your mouth Lord I ask Holy Spirit I ask this morning that individuals in this room that do not have a new heart Lord that they would be willing To finally say yes. Yes. Today. I want to have that new heart. I want to have that new life. I want you to transform me on the inside. And give me that new heart. Give me a new spirit. Take out my old heart. And put your Holy Spirit in me. Lord I need it. Give them the courage oh Lord to respond to your voice this morning in the name of Jesus I pray I'm going to ask if you would to stand to your feet worship team is going to sing and as they sing if you're willing and desire a new heart I'm going to ask you to make your way out of your chair come right down here meet me right here I want to pray with you to receive a brand new heart thank you Lord going to simply ask. Remember what Romans 10, 9 and 10 said? It said believing and then confessing. What are we believing? We're believing that Jesus is the way that we can have new life. We're believing that He died on the cross for us and His blood is our forgiveness of sin. It is believing that we can't do it. It is believing that our heart is wicked and that we need a new heart. It is believing everything that Jesus said about that new life and I want to encourage you today thank you 
Thank you for the having the courage to respond, to have a new heart. And as you believe that, I'm just going to lead you to pray that out loud. So this is the confessing part. I believe you've already gotten to the point of believing. So now this is the speaking it out loud. Okay? That's what this is. This is a new heart. God, get all those new hearts ready. Because as these confess what they believe, Lord, I believe that you're going to place into their hearts a brand new heart. And and here's the amazing thing. When you walk out of this room, there will be no sin in your life. It's amazing. Washes you, cleans you, forgives you, and you walk out of here clean. That doesn't mean you're going to walk out of here a perfect person. That's the process that we go through of learning how to walk and what He's done. So I'm just going to ask you to do this simple thing. Just kind of raise your hands before the Lord and pray with me and pray out loud if you may want to pray with me. Let's pray it out loud. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe Jesus died for me. His blood is my forgiveness. I'm a sinner. I've sinned against a holy God. My heart is wicked. And I need a new heart. I believe you will give me a new heart. Come into my heart right now, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. I declare Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. Make me a brand new person. I will never be the same. Today, Lord, I am born again, and I have a new heart, and I will be a new person. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Bless the Lord.